Well, good morning and welcome to 40 Days of Prayer Week 2. So glad uh, to see each of you here today. I have been hearing some uh, very great things uh, already this week about our 40 Days of Prayer small groups. And uh, just know that God is working. I got to be a part of a really great group this week myself. I'm just kind of curious how many of you are already in a 40 Days of Prayer small group. Just lift your hand. It's so good to see there's hundreds of people who are connected to these groups and are praying with and praying for one another, learning more about uh, what prayer is all about. Uh, God is at work. I want to give you a heads up in just a couple of weeks on uh, February 11, uh, we're going to be having a church-wide prayer gathering that'll be happening here. You'll see information in your program here more about that, but be aware of that and make some plans to be there as we continue uh, to seek God as his people in prayer. Now, prayer is such an enormous subject. It's almost kind of hard to know where to begin. I did a book search on prayer at Amazon, and I came back uh, with over 60,000 books on prayer. So we're going to be here for a while today. Uh, Then I Googled prayer, and I I got 848 million hits, including 135 million videos about prayer and more than 50 million news articles on prayer. In other words, there's a whole lot to say about prayer. I want to start out with three uh, quick facts about prayer. Uh, The first one is this. We are wired to pray. Uh, Those stats I quoted tell us that. Your creator designed you in a way that prayer seems natural. See, everyone in the world prays. Buddhists pray, Hindus pray, Muslims pray, Jews pray. Even secular people pray. Even atheists pray. If they're hurt, you know, an atheist in pain will cry out, oh, God. He's not going to say, oh, me, because everybody prays. Everybody prays. And who they pray to, what they pray, that's going to differ. And there's true prayer and there's prayer that's based on things that are false. But it's really clear that everyone has this internal desire and drive to pray. And the reason is this. God created us all in his image. This is what makes you human. Animals don't pray, but human beings pray because we are made in the image of God. And this uh, gives us the ability and it gives us the desire to actually talk to God. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has planted eternity in the human heart. And that means that you have an eternal soul. That means there's something deep within every human being that realizes there is more, there must be more than just what's here and just what's now. There must be a God. There must be an eternity. See, God wired us to talk with him. Prayer is universal. The second fact is we are not very good at prayer. And all God's people said, Amen. and we know that, right? We recognize that. We, we pretty much, all of us, feel inadequate at prayer. It's Often expressed, I hear people tell me, I don't really know what to pray. I'm I'm not sure I know how to pray. Many of you feel very uncomfortable at the thought of praying in any public way in front of any people, just even if it's a handful. Some of you won't even pray in front of other people at a meal. You just feel so inadequate about your praying. And this morning, I want you to hear that God doesn't want us to feel that way. A survey was uh, taken not too long ago. Uh, Some Christians were asked to write down Uh, how they feel about prayer. And what came back were words like frustrated, inept, awkward, unsatisfied, 
confused mystery. I've never heard anyone who thought that they were great at prayer. Never heard anyone say, I'm a PhD in prayer. (laughs) I am a world-class professional prayer. You don't hear people say that because no matter how long we've known the Lord, we know that we could be better. Uh, Paul, uh, the apostle, was like the greatest Christ follower who ever lived. And here's what Paul says in Romans 8, 26. For we do not know how to pray as we should. I mean, that's the guy who wrote like half the New Testament. And he's saying we don't know how to pray. And even the 12 guys who Jesus handpicked to follow him, be his disciples, they didn't know how to pray. Luke 11, 1 says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, this is amazing. These 12 guys got to watch Jesus do all kinds of miracles, heal people, turn water into wine, walk on water, cast out demons, even raise the dead. All kinds of amazing supernatural things. But never once did the disciples say, Jesus teaches how to do miracles. They heard Jesus teach. He's the greatest teacher in history, no doubt. Never once did the disciples say, Lord, teach us how to teach. Instead, they said, teach us to pray. Why? Because they watched Jesus, and they knew as they watched him that all the power between, behind his miracles and behind his teaching was prayer. Jesus prayed constantly. He was always talking to his father. He talked to God in the morning, and he talked to him in the evening. He did it in secret. He did it in public in all kinds of ways. And the disciples saw that, and they said, teach us to pray. So, If Paul says we don't know what or how to pray and the disciples say, teach us to pray, it's okay for us to feel inadequate about our praying sometimes. You get that? Uh, That's why really today's message is entitled A Beginner's Guide to Prayer. God does not want us feeling inadequate or feeling guilty about our praying. He doesn't want prayer to be so difficult. And I want to tell you, it is not as difficult as many of you think that it is. Here's a third fact. Our misconceptions about prayer frustrate our praying. See, we misunderstand prayer, and that leads to our struggles. We, we, we often find uh, that we end up believing lies and myths about prayer. Uh, those things can leave us confused. Sometimes they leave us feeling guilty. And God does not want you to be driven by guilt in prayer. He wants you to be drawn by grace. In 40 days of prayer during this season, we're going to explore and explode many of these misconceptions that you have been building your prayer life on. And right now, very quickly, I'm going to list for you four common myths about prayer. You can write these down too. Number one, a prayer is not a magic wand. See, it's not like that little stick that Harry Potter waves. You know, prayer is not magic. And magic is where you say words, you get a spell or an incantation right, and when you do this, automatically something happens at the other end. Prayer's not like that. You do it right, and God does whatever you want. Prayer is not about knowing the right words, which automatically fix everything. You know, some of you wives, you look at your husband, and you wish you could pray abracadabra, and he would get fixed. Sorry. (laughs) Not going to happen. You know, that doesn't work. You know, you, you can't say, hocus pocus, I got the promotion. That's not how prayer works. And in fact, I wonder if you have ever heard where that term hocus pocus came from. It actually is a perversion of the Latin that was used in the Catholic Mass. This is back 
Um, in the, the Middle Ages, the, the priest would hold up the bread and he would speak these words, hoc est corpus meum, which is Latin for this is my body. And evidently, some joker in the back row couldn't hear. And he was thinking, well, what is he saying? Hocus, hocus, pocus. You know, and so it became the priest turned the bread into Jesus, hocus pocus. So I can say hocus pocus and I can turn my life around. I can fix everything. But that's not prayer. It's not prayer. Second, prayer is not a fire extinguisher. Prayer is not break glass in case of emergency. And some of us only pray when we're in pain or in crisis. I lost my job. Better pray. Got cancer. Better pray. My husband's walking out of me. I better pray. In fact, sometimes people say, maybe you've said it, maybe you've heard this said, all we can do now is pray. Like, that's the last resort. That's all that's left. We've tried everything else. I guess we better pray. See, prayer should be your first choice. Before you buy that car, pray. Before you take that job, pray. Before you accept that date, pray. Before you eat that food, pray. Prayer is not a fire extinguisher. Third, prayer is not a tug of war. A lot of people are under the uh, misconception that God doesn't really want to answer our prayers. And so therefore, you have to beg him and wear him down until he finally says, oh, all right, I'll do it. See, the Bible never teaches that. God wants to answer your prayers. God never tells us to beg. Some of us bargain with God. Anybody ever bargain with God? It's like, God, if you'll do this for me, I will do this for you, and you will be a very lucky God because I know you need me to do this. See, prayer is never about talking God into something. Jesus one time told a parable that teaches the exact opposite of this. Now, sometimes, maybe you've noticed, Jesus tells parables, and the point of the parable is basically God is like this. But sometimes Jesus teaches parables, and it's the opposite. The point of the parable is God is not like this. And in this parable, uh, Jesus is doing that. He told this story about a widow who needed justice. And so she goes to a judge, but this is an unjust judge. And he just tells her to go away. He doesn't care. But Jesus says, this widow keeps coming to the judge, keeps coming and coming and coming and pleading for justice until finally he says, if you'll just stop and go away, I'll give you what you ask. And the point of that story is that God is not like that. We're actually going to be talking about that story in our our 40 days small groups. So fourth, prayer is not a ritual to relieve guilt. Now, some of you grew up being taught that if you sin, uh, you have to say a certain number of prayers. And if you sin really badly, you got to say a whole lot more prayer. Well, Jesus says exactly the opposite. Prayer is not punishment or penance for your sin. Prayer is a privilege. It's not a duty. In fact, in Matthew 6, 7, Jesus says, And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Now, throughout this 40 days, we're going to be exploding at a lot of misconceptions, and many of those have frustrated you and put you under enormous guilt and made prayer feel for you like this boring duty. But we're going to be going to God's word for truth, and we're going to be learning the truth. 
And today, we're going to cover some foundational principles of prayer, and really everything in prayer is based on these. And if we don't get these, we'll probably end up seeing prayer as a duty, not a delight, as, as a burden, not as a blessing. So here's the first one. You can, uh, again, write these down in your message notes. Uh, number one, God loves for me to talk to him about anything. God loves for me to talk to him about anything. In other words, it doesn't have to be something that you have labeled spiritual. See, are you interested in it? Well, then God wants you to talk to him about it. Let me give you three reasons why we know this. Number one, God loves you. God created you to love you. And when you love someone, you're interested in what they are interested in. I've been married for more than 33 years. And over the years, I have learned that I have truly become interested in some things that I probably wouldn't have ever been interested in. Why? Because my wife is interested in them. Because I love her. And no, she did not tell me to say that. I mean, it really happens, you know, in some cases. Second, God gave you your interests. So where do you think they come from? Where do you think you got them? And our personalities, our passions in life, our talents and gifts, they come from God. They didn't come out of thin air. I want to tell you something very important. One of our big problems in prayer is that we limit prayer to what we define as spiritual. And prayer ends up seeming mostly irrelevant to the vast majority of our lives. But the truth is, the Bible teaches that God created everything. God cares about your work, cares about your interests. He cares about everything in our lives. Third, God enjoys talking with his children. He is your father in heaven. And good parents are interested in their children's lives. Psalm 103.13 says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. So I have a question, parents. Uh, did you wait until your kids could talk before you loved them? Of course not. Uh, we had four kids. We have four kids. And I loved them from the very moment that they were born, even though all they did was poop and spit up. They couldn't even smile for a couple of months. And I know you think your three-week-old is smiling. That's just gas. They, they didn't have any words. They couldn't communicate. But we loved them anyway because we are their parents. I'm their father. Now, I also want to say this. Whether you ever talk to God or not, God still loves you. He still loves you. Even when we choose not to talk to him, he still loves us deeply. Because good fathers love to talk to their children, and God is a good father. So talk to him about everything. Whatever is going on in your life, he is interested. You know, learning to pray is a lot like learning a language. And whether you learn English or Spanish or Tagalog or Hindi or Korean or whatever, any language, you have to do certain things to learn it. And prayer is a spiritual language. You have to learn it. And one of the ways you learn to pray is by simply listening to other people as they pray. So, like, how do you learn a language? Well, babies learn uh, by listening, then by imitating and sooner or later, as they practice, a word suddenly comes out, and after that, sentences you know, are formed. I mean, think about this. Did your first sentence make any sense? Probably not. You know, you did not emerge from the womb 
saying, four score and seven years ago, our forefathers married our foremothers and had four babies. You know, you didn't come out talking. Your words were garbled. But your parents loved you and were smart enough to interpret what you were saying. God is wise enough to interpret what you're saying to him. Even if your first attempts at prayer don't make a lot of sense, it doesn't matter. God loves you. God doesn't wait for you to become mature. He just loves you where you are. It's like when my kids, you know, would bring me pictures, maybe at one or three years old. You know, what would I say? I'd say, that's beautiful. Why did I say that? Because this is the the most beautiful picture in the world? No. (laughs) I said that because I love them. I love this because I love you. And God enjoys talking to you wherever you are in your spiritual journey. I'm going to put a question on the screen that I would like you to write down because I really would like you to think about it. What in your life have you considered off limits in terms of talking to God? See, you can talk to God about anything. God is interested in what you're interested in because he loves you. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. I just want to point out two times in those verses, it says he hears us. God always hears you. And this should give you confidence. Confidence in approaching God This means that when you pray, you don't approach God with shame. When you pray, you you don't approach God with fear or hesitation or embarrassment. There is nothing you can say that's going to make God stop loving you. Let me give you two statements I think that will help you pray with confidence. Prayer is a conversation, not a ceremony. See, ceremonies have rules and regulations you have to follow. You have to do them just right, otherwise they don't work. But there is no one right way to pray. Prayer is a conversation. It's about you talking with God. Now, in a conversation, it's important to remember that in a good conversation, you talk, but you also listen. And one of the reasons some of you are bored with prayer is you do all the talking. You never listen, and we need to learn to allow God to speak to us. Now, primarily, the way God speaks to us is going to be through his Revealed written word, the Bible. That should be the prime way that you hear from God. And so a good practice in prayer is to get quiet and listen. Some of you, if you're building kind of a list that guides you through prayer, things you want to pray about, you might want to have this question written down in your prayer list. God, is there anything you want to say to me? Just ask God that on a regular basis and then get quiet and then get listen and listen. And sometimes... He'll open up a truth for you in the Bible. Sometimes he may bring an impression to your mind based on the Bible. Sometimes you won't hear anything specific, and that's fine. Don't worry. Just be open to whatever God wants to say to you. And and during 40 days, we're going to be learning more about how to talk and how to listen uh, to God because prayer is a conversation. Number two, uh, prayer is about relationship, not ritual. See, prayer is all about getting close to God, getting to know God. And if prayer bores you, you're missing the point. We should marvel every day that the creator of all the universe 
loves us and actually wants to talk to us. See, the more that we see prayer as fundamentally about a relationship with God, the more deep and more enjoyable that prayer is going to be. The more we see prayer as a religious ritual and a duty, the more difficult it will be for us to pray and actually find joy in praying. So if you are struggling with prayer, here's a very important step that I want to recommend to you, and it's this. This is not on the screen, but you can write this down. Are you ready? Stop thinking about prayer and start thinking about God. Stop thinking about prayer and start thinking about God. Just focus on God. Just read God's word and just marvel at God's beauty and God's goodness and God's power and God's glory, God's love and God's mercy, God's kindness. Just focus on God. Tim Keller in one of his sermons says, Jesus is saying that the very first primary goal of all prayer is to plunge yourself into the doctrine of God to think about who he is until your heart is dazzled. Just focus on God. Just think about God because the more you make prayer about God, the more you will be overwhelmed with the beauty of God, his love and his goodness, the more you will then be able to enter into a relationship him where you are sharing your life. Friends, prayer is not a duty. Prayer is a privilege. I get to talk to the creator of the universe, and he wants me to. He wants to listen. What an amazing truth. See, the more I see that prayer is a conversation and a relationship, the more I will long to pray, the more confident I will be in praying. Second foundational truth, God listens to prayers that are sincere and simple. Some of us struggle because we think, I have to sound spiritual, or we think, I have to learn the the language, I have to learn the right words, and so we're trying to get all the phrases we've heard people pray And we think that's what it is, and I don't know how to say those things. Just talk to God. The only thing God looks for is honesty and authenticity. You need to learn to pray what you feel like praying about, not what you think you should pray about. And and then we kind of get hung up. I don't know where this comes from, but why do we think that real praying has to sound a certain way? You know, you've heard some people, it's like, Oh, thou great potentate in all the universe, thou who dost, wonderfully bestow on us all manners of beseeched blessings. I mean, why do we think that spiritual sounds like some guy in England that lived 400 years ago? Why do we think that? Uh, Our prayers should sound a lot like our normal conversations. Uh, We should talk to God, yes, with a reverence that we may not show other people, but prayer does not require a special vocabulary or religious jargon. It does not require all these cliches that we've kind of built up. You know, a lot of our cliches tend to show up when we thank God for food. Have you noticed this? Now, I want to say it's not wrong for you to pray, bless this food and the hands that prepared it. It's not wrong. It's not wrong for you to pray, bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies and our bodies to your service, if you mean those things if that's a meaningful expression of your heart. But it's also not wrong to say, God, I'm hungry and this food smells delicious. Thank you for providing it. Amen. You know, some of your children, and you know who you are, 
They will give thanks to God when your prayers stop before the film is formed on the gravy. You pray so long, you know, before meals. And we don't have to, you know, move into the whole nother realm of conversation. God listens to prayer that is real and honest. And that means a number of things. That means when you don't feel good, it's okay to say, God, I don't feel like talking to you today. That's a prayer. You can say, God, I'm mad about you. That's a prayer. God, I don't get it. I asked for this and this didn't happen. That's a prayer. God just wants you to be honest. And if you don't understand this, I want to direct you to the Psalms. Maybe you know there's 150 Psalms in the Old Testament. Maybe you know, but maybe you don't know that the largest category of Psalms, more than 50, some scholars think it's up to 67. There's some different categorizations that theologians do. But the largest category of Psalms is what is known as Psalms of Lament. Psalms of Lament. These are complaint Psalms. These are Psalms where the psalmist is griping and complaining about life. God, I've been asking for a job and I'm running out of money and you haven't provided one yet. I I need help here. This is honest and authentic prayer. See, we need to learn to pray sincerely and simply. Uh, Sincere praying also doesn't need to be lengthy. And again, lengthy prayers are not inherently wrong. But have you noticed when some people pray, they, they kind of preach prayer sermons? Have you ever noticed that? They'll They'll say something like, Lord, I just thank you for this word of yours that's in 1 John. And there are four truths in this word that I thank you for. And they start listing, you know, it's like they're doing exegesis in their prayer. And they go on and on and on. And they describe the weather, you know, and they talk about the state of the world and things like that. And they're just kind of talking. Sometimes it feels like to hear themselves talk and even don't even make a request, actually, at some times. Now, again, like I said, lengthy prayers are not inherently wrong. But you should make sure that you're actually talking to God and not for the people that are around you. You should make sure that you're actually talking to God and not using prayer as a platform to advance your particular biblical interpretations. You should make sure that you're talking to God and you're not praying a long time because really you just like the sound of your own voice. Okay, so just say what you want to say. You can write this down. Longer is not stronger in prayer. That would be a word for some of you today. (laughs) Sincere, simple, humble, authentic, that is what God calls for. Now, Jesus had a lot to say about praying sincerely and simply, not trying to sound spiritual. Let me show you one passage. This is Matthew 6, 5 through 8. It's in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking about prayer here. And he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. 
See, prayer is not about informing God. Hello, God is omniscient. He already knows everything, right? He already knows what you need. He just wants you to express that to him. He wants you to come to him and do it humbly and honestly and simply. Just tell him what you need. Now, we could really spend hours on these four verses, uh, uh, but let not your hearts be troubled. We're not going to do that. I want to just summarize two things I want to put, have you put down about these verses. Jesus is saying, don't use prayer to show off. For some people, prayer is a performance. And, and you know, you listen to them pray, and it's like their pray, prayers are saying, watch me pray, everyone. You're going to be impressed. We're not to pray like this. This isn't even real prayer. You're talking to other people. You're not talking to God. And Jesus says, you don't get credit for showing off. I don't think God listens to prayer like that. Also, we are told here, don't rattle off cliches. Jesus says pagans babble. They think that many words get their prayers heard. And I think it kind of happens unconsciously, but sometimes, for whatever reason, we start kind of adding in like filler to our prayers. We don't even realize it, maybe. And I'm just saying, whatever that is for you, you don't need to do that. I'll give you one example. This is one of the favorite fillers of Christians today in prayer. It is the word just. We use this word just like, uh, like a a verbal pause. It's like, Lord, we just want to thank you today. And we just are here in your presence just to praise you because you are just great, Lord. You are just holy. You're just wonderful. We just thank you and we just praise you, God. It's just, 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 just. It's like going, uh, 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 uh. And I'm just telling you, you can... Take out all the justs of your prayer. You just don't need to use just in your praying all the time. It's kind of empty filler. Now, I do know this, okay? There's going to be some awkward moments in your small groups this week because somebody's going to pray, and they're going to start using the word just, and they're going to feel awkward when they realize it, or other people are going to maybe point and laugh. You shouldn't do that. Uh, don't worry about it. Don't get too bound up about it, but just be aware. We don't just tack on words and throw things in. That's often the signs that our minds are not fully engaged. Adding extra words doesn't make prayer better. Uh, Hebrews 10.22 actually gets us to the bottom line. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. So two things, sincerity and confidence. A sincere heart means, God, I'm going to talk to you about how I really feel. I know you already know, but I know you want me to be honest with you. Just tell God what you're thinking. And then full assurance of faith means we come to God with confidence. We're not afraid to talk to him. We're not ashamed to talk to him, not hesitant to talk to him. He is a loving father who wants us to talk to him. Okay, third foundational truth. God likes to show his grace by answering prayer. Like we've been singing this morning, God is a good, good father. God is gracious and compassionate. Everything in the universe exists because God is generous. He's a generous God. God loves to answer prayer because he he gets to show what he's really like. You know, over 20 times in the New Testament, we are commanded, commanded. It's, it's It's a command that we must obey. Commanded to ask, ask. And it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. You have not because you ask not. If you ask, 
anything in my name. Why are we commanded to ask God for things? Well, the answer is God likes to answer. God gets to show how good and generous he is. And every time God answers prayer, he's displaying his goodness. Now, hear this, regardless of the answer. You don't get a yes to every prayer. Has anyone else noticed that? But even when the answer is no, even when the answer is not yet, God is a good father. Think about it. Does any good parent anywhere in the world give a child whatever the child asks for? Of course not. That ruins a child. Parents have dozens of reasons why they might say no to something a child asks for. They're not going to give that child everything they want. God has dozens and dozens of good reasons why he doesn't always say yes to you. And you may not understand why, but may I remind you this morning, you are not God. There is a God, and he's not you. So we're not going to understand everything he does, but we can trust him because he's a good father. Sometimes God says no for our protection. Sometimes God says no for our direction. He sets us on a new course. Sometimes God says no for our correction. Sometimes God says no for our perfection to help us grow. Sometimes God says no for our inspection, just to cause us to look inside ourselves. I mean, what do you call a child that gets everything that they ask for? Answer, spoiled rotten. And God loves you too much to say yes to everything that you ask. See, God says, I didn't say I'd answer the way you want every time. I will answer, though. Sometimes people say, well, God, you didn't answer me. And God says, yes, I did. I just said no. (laughs) No is an answer, right? And uh, when you pray, there's always four possible answers to your prayer. God always answers every prayer, but the answers he gives are yes, no, not yet, and are you kidding me? (laughs) Sometimes we ask stuff, and God, I think, says, are you kidding me? Um, And a child doesn't know the difference between no and not yet. Have any of you parents understood that, noticed that? Maturity is when you begin to realize more and more that God's delays are not God's denials. And many times God is saying to us, I will give you that, but not yet. You're not ready. Before I give it to you, some things need to change in your life. You need to grow because I have an even better plan for you. So God always answers, and he shows us his goodness every time he answers, whether the answer is no or yes or not yet. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Uh, The message paraphrase says, call to me and I will answer you. I will show you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. I love that. Sometimes God's answer is about a bigger perspective. Sometimes God says to you, you have no idea what you're asking for. That is not what you really want. I know you think it is, but I know what you really want even more than you know, and you think that will make you happy, but I'm telling you it won't make you happy, so I'm going to give you a bigger perspective. I'm going to say no on this. It's great and unsearchable things. And isn't it true that many times in our lives we look back and we think about prayers we prayed 
and we remember the no's that God gave to us, and we are so very glad he said no. How many of you are grateful to God forever and ever for telling you no on things you thought you wanted? Please raise your hands. It's just the way it goes. I mean, the theologian Garth Brooks expressed it very well (laughs) in his song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers, right? God knows better than we do. He only gives us what is good. Matthew 7, verse 11, Jesus says, If you then, though you are good, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? God's a perfect father. He has so much good he wants to give you. But the real problem is too many times we don't even ask. That's why James 4.2 says you do not have because you do not ask God. Do you realize that when you don't pray, you are missing out on so many things in life. God doesn't just give us things, even things he wants us to have, because God is interested in a relationship with us. And so some things he waits until he asks for them before he gives them to you. He wants us to learn to pray. He wants us to grow up. This brings us to the final foundational truth about prayer. And I want to tell you it's the biggest one of all. This one, if you really get it, will radically change your life. If this just penetrates to your heart, it will change everything that you see, the way you look at it, whether it's money or time or sex or job, your past, your present, your future. It'll change it all. Here's the fourth truth on which prayer is built. God longs to be close to me. God longs to be close to me. God desires it. He wants it deeply. He wants to be close to you. He wants you to be close to him. You know, if you're away from someone for a long time, You cannot wait to talk to them. God can't wait for you to talk to him. He loves you very much. God's actually waiting to talk to you, waiting for you to talk to him. And he's never busy. He's always available, 24-7, 365. Isaiah 30, verse 18, is a verse really you should memorize. It says, the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. Did you know that? Did you know that every day you go without prayer, every day you go without reading God's word, without spending time with him, that God is longing for you to be with him? Uh, The New Living Translation renders it, God is waiting for you. You see, you were made to know God. He's waiting to show you his grace and compassion. It is why you exist. Some of you are, are parents, and you know that unique pain of having a child that cannot talk to you for whatever reason, emotionally or or physically. You you love that child deeply, but they cannot communicate with you, and it breaks your heart because it hurts to have someone you love and and they can't talk to you. Some of you are parents of a child who can talk to you but won't. They've shut you out of their lives, and you know that the ache in your heart is great because you long to talk to them. You, you long for that phone call. It hurts because they could talk to you, but they don't, and they won't. This is the way, in a small measure, I think, how God feels about you when you don't talk to him. When you go for days or weeks and you never open his word, you never spend any time with God, you never stop to pray, you never just get with him and say, God, here, here's what's on my heart and I love you, and this is what I need in my life, and I'm asking for this. You just share with him 
everything about your life. God longs for you to do that. And when you don't, it's like a parent crying out, why won't you talk to me? I love you. I want a relationship with you. And your kid turns around and walks away. See, don't do that to God. Don't do that to your Father in heaven, the God who created you. God designed you for a relationship with him. Honestly, the only reason you're alive, the Bible says, God made you to love you and to teach you how to love him in return. You were not put on this planet to check things off of a bucket list. That's not why you exist. You were put here to be loved by God and to learn to love him back. You were chosen to be his child. You were formed for his family. You were created for companionship. God made you to love you. And if you don't pray, you're missing out on the reason you exist. Now listen to the the passion in this next verse. This is God speaking. It's Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. And God says, I don't want your sacrifices I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. Can you feel the passion, the longing God has for you? I just want you to know me. I know everything about you. Nothing is ever going to make me stop loving you. Friends, so many of us are looking and longing for love, and we can't ever seem to find it. And the real problem is we're looking in the wrong place. We're trying to find it in people, and you'll never find it fully in people. You have to find it first and fully in God. And this is what God is talking about here. He loves you. He wants you to learn to love him back. He wants you to receive his love. He wants you to have a friendship with him. And that takes us to one of the most amazing verses in the Bible, John 15, 15. And in this verse, Jesus says this, I don't call you servants now, but now I call you friends. That's one of those, are you kidding me, verses. God really said that? God wants to be my friend? Yes, Jesus says, I now call you my friends. So the creator of the entire universe, the God who died for you on the cross to forgive your sins, he says, I want you to be my friend. This is not about ritual or rules or religions. This is about a relationship with the everlasting God. It is about friendship because you were formed for a friendship with God. And if you miss that, you blow your life. You miss out on the purpose of your existence. You were not put on this planet to make money and retire and die. You were put here to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, that relationship that is going to last forever. Don't miss the reason you're here. See, why are we doing 40 days of prayer? Well, there is nothing more important than aligning our lives in harmony with God's will and plan for our lives. And that means having the relationship that he created us for, which is a close fellowship and friendship with God. And that means you need to learn how to pray. God longs to be close to you. And I'm asking you today, will you hear all this and then just walk away? Some of you are going, okay, this is interesting, and, and you're going to walk out of here in just a few minutes because, believe it or not, I'm about to stop talking. Some of you are wondering. And you're going to walk out of here, and you're going to say, that was kind of nice, but I'm hungry, and I got stuff to do today, and you're going to just push this aside, and it's going to go out of your mind, and you're going to move on, and you're not going to receive what God has for you. 
I just want to say to you, what we're talking about here is more important than anything in the world. See, a lot of people know about God, but getting to know God, that's why we are here, and that's why we're doing 40 days, and that's why we are encouraging you, don't miss anything about this. Be here every Sunday to hear the messages. Get into a small group if you haven't done that yet. Read those daily devotionals and take some time to pray. Don't just walk away and say, well, that's nice. How do I get close to God? Well, two ways as we wrap this up. Two ways you get closer. You desire it and you make time for it. See, if you feel far from God, guess who moved? Not God. Look at these next two verses. Psalm 25, 14 says, Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence him. With them alone he shares the secrets of his promises. So God reserves friendship for those who reverence him. And you can't do that without making time for him, without prioritizing him. And you can't do that without praying to get close to God, you also need to desire it. That's what James 4.8 says. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. And during 40 days, you're going to learn how to do that. I mean, how do I draw close to God, and God will draw close to me? We're going to show you how you do that. We're going to explain to you all these great benefits. And I want to leave you with just one more thing. You can write this down if you want. The closer I am to God, the less stressed and more blessed I'll be. Sound good? The closer I am to God, the less stressed and more blessed that I will be. The whole reason we are doing 40 Days Southwinds is to deepen your friendship with God. You need to learn to know him better. You need to draw closer. And when you do, he promises he will draw closer to you because he is longing to be in a relationship of intimacy and friendship with you. This is our God, and this is his word for us today, and we give him thanks for speaking into our hearts. Would you bow your heads as we pray?